I don't know if it counts as a phenomenon, but I like comets uh, almost exclusively because of Super Mario Galaxy, which was very important to me as a 10-year-old. Mm. Comets are cool. Comets Absolutely. are neat. Shooting stars. I think we should have more shooting stars. I don't mm. care how bad this could be for the planet overall. More <laughs> of Favorite it, please. Favorite space phenomenon Princess Rosalina. I'm <laughs> 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 sorry. Oh, man. It's not wrong. I never even played you? Galaxy. Oh, it's shit so posting. It's, it's the best Mario game. I would die on that hill. Um, mm. Blue, do you have a favorite space phenomenon? Uh, the, the Aurora. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Cool. Yeah. All right, great. Another question. And uh, Princess Rotten. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. My Wi-Fi cut out for the first half of that, and I didn't know we were starting. Hopefully, you... nothing I said was weird. I didn't hear you say anything. Yes. Um <laughs> You came uh, back in time for you to say hello. Thank goodness. And uh, in order to continue the bit that I hadn't realized was a bit, but now that uh, Jack has pointed it out on his guest episode, it is now a bit. I'm drinking uh, cider straight from the bottle. Regular ass apple juice, basically. <laughs> I've got aqua in my press pause. I'm making tea mug oh, available wow, on our uh, our new uh, crowd made merch shop. It's an accent mug. It's got the fun color. So the, on the mug is lying mug to us because you don't have tea in it. <laughs> it just means he's making tea. So now I'm a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> False advertising. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> yeah, right, Red? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. As mentioned, this is ordinary cider, the non alcoholic kind, because I don't drink most of the time because I think it tastes yucky. So this is just a normal ass bottle of intense apple juice that I am chugging. Straight from the pint. A likely story. I, no, sorry, my, my mind jumped um, half a track uh, because one of the, the, the two videos that we put out recently was on mm. uh, uh, the realism review of Assassin's Creed Mirage. And there's one funny side story towards the end of the game where you essentially sneak into a, a palace um, and someone asks you to steal someone's magic potion that mm-hmm. they keep very secret. And I don't know what it is that they're drinking. It makes their breath smell terrible, but they seem to be, like, overcome by, like, magic and euphoria. And then you fetch this potion for them, and they're like, yeah, it's alcohol gross. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. And it's also cool. It's like, yeah, like, most people didn't drink alcohol, but a lot of people just kind of, like, snuck it around. Like, everyone was a college student. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, strictly speaking, Quran says, like, we're not super supposed to drink alcohol, but, like, we kind of do anyway. (laughs) <laughs> the the comedy juxtaposition between describing it as this like ethereal magic potion and then being like oh it's booze we all know what booze is <laughs> it's just yeah. like oh I gotta readjust my expectations yeah so um I, while we're here let's, yeah, while uh, we're let's, on the subject. let's work through the uh, first uh, of our two videos uh, on our channel overly sarcastic productions on YouTube in case you uh, found I had this my... by typing random keys without looking um, <laughs> I'm sorry please continue. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I have the keyboard shortcut where if I type Y and then tab, it'll automatically take me to YouTube search. So usually what I do when I try to go to the channel is like Y, tab, and then some combination of O, S, and P, not necessarily in that order, and sometimes with other adjacent letters instead. Wow. And it usually gets me there. But oh, uh, I had a video. This made a soft. I about... remember to type <laughs> URLs by hand. No, I don't. Kids these days can't even, yeah, um, boomer moment. Uh, I had a video. Uh, yes. about history 
specifically of the new video game Assassin's Creed. My uh, possibly the last in my somewhat semi-annual tradition of of re- reviewing the history of the the new games as they come out. Um, Origins, Odyssey, job. Valhalla, do it. and Mirage. Yeah, uh, and then uh, that one detailed diatribe I did to kind of like softly account for all the other games that I didn't touch. Um, <laughs> and I think this is going to be the last one that I do because I basically told myself like after Mirage, I'm checked out. Like I'm done. Ubisoft has hurt me before; they'll hurt me again. But this time, shockingly <laughs> enough, they didn't hurt me. This this one's actually really good, and Just I not only like it a lot. Just enough to reel you back in for the second punch. <laughs> yeah. I I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed playing through this game, not just like the world um, and the fun little codex entries they have that are much better written than any of the ones they had previously. It's all about like daily life and culture and stuff where they have like you'll go to the market and you you know pick up this little collectible and then it tells you all about the culture of what you know bazaars in Persian or souk in Arabic what that was like you go over to um the the harem the harem and you, you know, pull up the little collectible and it tells you like this is what the purpose of the harem was this is what it was like and you can go to other places and learn about like people aspects of government and like what poetry was like it so 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 cool to get this little like mini little historical pamphlet interspersed in the game and even video game donkey in his video said <laughs> it's so nice to learn something of value in one of these goober open world games so i said in the video like if donkey liked the codex entries and actually learned something they did their job on this one much more than any of the other games did but also it's just it's a it's a well done game it it respects the setting in a way that a lot of assassin's creed games only kind of gesture at Mm -hmm. this one they really clearly cared a lot about getting it right and they they pull a lot of anachronism tricks. Uh, a lot of the architecture looks more like like 1600s Persia than you know 800s Iraq. Mm. Oh well, um, but it's not like with uh, my my favorite bad example of um, Christian stave churches it's being used for churches. pagan temples in yep. Valhalla, where it's like not only is this inaccurate, you're lying about what this thing is. Where <laughs> this game doesn't really have any of that, so. I could go on in a bunch of little little minute details here and there, That's but what the video was for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I could I could make a, a very lengthy list of like here's what they pulled in from this thing that's actually something else and i saw a couple of people on reddit had done it so i was like okay cool i don't need to, to spend time going <laughs> through like list by list of all these architectural elements that absolutely were not in place yet at this point in time Certainly but not. it was just a fun game i i weirdly liked it the the political history was pretty weak and i kind of take some pot shots at that in the video they they try to pull the narrative back a little bit later where they bring up the Zand Rebellion again, but it's like you only get like one sideline of dialogue. You have to like do a, a little mini conversation with an NPC to get. So I still consider the political history in this game to be pretty bad because they're not even really trying. But mm-hmm. honestly, the way that political history is, like if you're doing political history, that's kind of all you're doing. So they, I think they made the right choice to just not really tie themselves up in knots about it. So even the ways in which they kind of fuck up, I'm like, you know what? Fair. Fair. <laughs> you know, I hadn't actually considered that most stories kind of, uh, there's not really a gradient of political complexity. You kind of either get like, here's the one true king returned at last, and now the kingdom shall thrive. Or like Game of Thrones levels, like, well, you see yeah. our clan and their clan had a falling out three generations ago, but also two generations ago, a couple of our second cousins like married each other. So, so things are tumultuous. Like, I think the most complicated you get in the low end of things is just like, oh, King uh, Proudheart the Good 
has his treacherous vizier, a uh, green slime worm snake, <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to overthrow him and install King Badheart the Jerk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's it's either like, man, that king sure is a dick, and that's as far as we're going to investigate that, or it's Game of Thrones, and you know who everyone is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and somehow you really need to know. There's like a fucking chart in order to it's, just. Keep it's integral to the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, you know, you, you really need the diagrams to make sure that you know exactly who's mad at who and who's probably going to yeah. betray somebody else. Not because they're mad, but just because they need the leg up. Uh, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. There's kind of a, a, a bit of a discrete leap in complexity. You don't tend to get things kind of in the mid-range where it's like, yeah. well, this guy's like a minor duke, so he's not that important. But he's a little bit important, and he can do like a little bit of stuff. Anyway, um, it seems like this game doesn't do that, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, thankfully not. Um, they kind of make the, the tactical retreat to just avoid all that stuff entirely. They do commit one piece of character assassination where they take this one historical figure, Wasif El Torki, and make him into just a big bad guy. Where it's yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you did that. Like, you chose a real historical figure and just completely inverted his whole point. Like. Okay, you know that that's fine. I, I guess it's fine. Um, so they still they still made some some things that I would I would call questionable choices. But overall, it's really impressive the kind of world they created in in such a loving way, where it's not like Orientalism to hell and back, which you get in in some kinds of of settings like that. Mm. Um, and I I was very pleased at like oh they're actually treating this with a very even tone. That is. Quite surprising, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like, uh, just kind of from the outside, I got the impression that AC Valhalla kind of made the entire history fandom of AC kind of be like, oh, okay, I see where we're at now. Like, like all the expectations just crashed through the floor because it's yeah. like, cool, we're just doing fucking, like, like, trope Vikings. Not just, like, neutral trope Vikings, like, uh, um... Ah, I'm losing all of my words today. Uh, the one that got co-opted by white supremacists yeah. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> uh, and then they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do we're gonna do one set in like 800s Iraq," and it's like, "Oh, goody, good, are you <laughs> fantastic? What yeah. could possibly go wrong?" And and I had the the one like little throwaway line of like, "I'm going to be nice to the older games by not comparing uh, Mirage to the older games <laughs> because it's not a favorable comparison." Uh, but then I kind of like threw in like, yeah, like AC1 has a really nasty attitude about religion where Altair and all the assassins are these like enlightened atheist guys. It's like, ah, you believe in God so stupid, cringe as fuck, bro. Well, that was Whereas like early mid-2000s, is... right? That was it, the hip thing to do. It, it was very 2007. It was very much a piece of media inspired by the like landscape of the war on terror in American mm. culture. Um, or at least like, you know, Anglosphere culture and Canadians. Uh, <laughs> but still like same, same idea. Right, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, in in this game, the way that like religion is handled is is so much more delicate. It's so much more caring. Like you actually get the sense that Basim is like a practicing Muslim who gives a shit about his faith until the Valhalla plot kicks in. It's like, haha, he's Loki too. How are they going to square that? Don't ask us. We're not writing another story <laughs> with him. Fine, sure. Uh, yeah. But it it is really interesting to see the ways in which these characters. Just say these little expressions like Alhamdulillah, like thank God, as opposed mm -hmm. to just where like the Italian in Assassin's Creed 2 is just for the swears. Oh, it's yeah. nice that they actually pull in like Arabic expressions that convey a sense of like culture and place and, and faith for these characters. That's genuinely refreshing to see in like in general and especially in an Assassin's Creed game. So 
um, overall, I was I was surprised. It is not perfect. They 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 pull a lot of things in to to complete the aesthetic picture because they they set the game before a lot of the the strong visual motifs of like Islamic architecture really come into form. Mm. Um, but also it's a culture with a lot of visual continuity over the centuries. So it's not as ridiculous as, you know, in some other scenarios where it's like setting um, something in like Renaissance Florence, but it looks like, you know, it's in the 1800s in Paris. Like it's not, it's not like that much of a, I'm losing the thread here a little bit, but it is not as egregious um, as it would be um, in potentially other settings where like, you know, it, with the Vikings, a 200-year difference is, like, no Christian and Christian, whereas this game, it's like, the styles are building and evolving over time, but it's it's not so clashing and catastrophic to right. to kind of pull these things together. So I, I, I liked it. And it I'm glad like that it... I never have to talk about this game series again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Uh, like, I, I will be curious to see if that holds... Past the next game announcement. Well, the next game they're going back to that dumbass RPG format that I realize uh, I hate. So okay, cool. <laughs> I, I've I've seen this on again, off again relationship play out since we were in high school. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to read you like a book over here. It's just like, you know, this I mean, this feels like the AC Revenge Body arc, and like I just. <laughs> <laughs> The difference is that it had uh, it had never been the case that I never finished an Assassin's Creed game until Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where I was so bored I quit and uninstalled the game in the middle of playing it one day. I'm like, you know what? Actually, screw this. Damn. So now that I've hit that threshold, I'm like, okay, if they're basically making Valhalla two with the samurai game, I'm done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no so thanks. The magic is gone. The scales have fallen from your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, this one's okay, but it's not enough to make me take you back, AC. And all the marketing around this game was like, this is the last time we're doing a classic AC game. After that, fuck you. It's like, all right, after that, fuck me. That's okay. I'm free. Understood. <laughs> yeah. But oh, uh, I went uh, I went to the world of video games, and you went to the world of space. <laughs> mm, yes, I did an adventure in the real world, and then I found an excuse to make a video about it so I could justify it internally as work. Um but yeah, I uh, I shipped over to the west coast of the United States, a place I've been to before. Well, a, a coast I've been to before. I've never I'd never been to uh, Oregon before, so that was an exciting um, uh, new experience for me. And I did it so that I could see the uh, annular. I've been told it's pronounced the annular solar eclipse. Uh, you see, the problem is uh, annular would be like annulment, which is a different word, even though it's spelled the fucking same. <laughs> so anyway, it was the annular. It sounds stupid. My it does sound better. stupid. I know. It, it, whatever. Because it sounds um, like you're trying to say annual and screwing it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's stupid. Uh, it's like, it, well, I, I'd say it's like this, but I'm not mad at this one. It's like when you say the ecliptic and it's like, do you mean the elliptic? And it's like, no, no, the ecliptic. It's something else. Anywho. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I had a fun time. I got to trek over with my, my fun little um, telescope and uh, post up on a fun little volcanic mountain uh which if i had a nickel for every time i visited a lovely little park this year and it turned out to be a dormant volcano i'd have two nickels <laughs> um because uh the first one was when we were in new zealand earlier in the year and i climbed up auckland domain and i was like oh what a fun little distressingly concave uh grassy field <laughs> over to the left wonder what's down there Oh, you're telling me this whole thing is is a book? Yeah, okay, sure. It's on the Pacific Rim, I guess. Um, (laughs) Making this one of like four places I've gone to this year that was volcanically active, or at least had at one point been volcanically active. Um, 
but no, it was uh, it was really fun. I got to do a fun little adventure um, and internally justify it as work rather than feeling uh, irresponsible for not doing work the whole time I was out. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Eugene, uh, although I did feel the whole time I was there that Eugene is not really designed with uh, long-term walkability in mind, as it were. It, it lines up with a lot of my other experiences with the West Coast that uh, if you don't have a car with you, you kind of like need to hike minimum 30 minutes in any direction to get anywhere. And um, all the love in my heart to Eugene. It doesn't seem like it was equipped for the, even the minor influx of tourism they got to see the eclipse. Oh, no. Because the day, <laughs> the day the eclipse happened, I'd been up since 5 a.m. I had hiked up and then down a minor mountain. And I was like, all right, that was fun. I've been out for like six hours. Uh, my one disgusting sandwich cookie is no longer holding me over. I need to go eat some food. And it's like, okay, cool. I'll go to the one diner I went to the other day. And it's like, oh, cool. Line is literally out the door. I'll check out this other breakfast place I ran on the way. Ah, oh, 40-minute wait. I'll just walk back to the hotel and, like, eat some more disgusting sandwich cookies and wait for the wait, wait for the uh, hotel bar that sometimes does food to open. I don't know what it is about Eugene. It was determined not to feed me sufficiently uh, and then make me walk everywhere, which does track because I was in the health and wellness neighborhood, which is not a thing I knew cities could have. Um, I also did not know that was a thing cities could have. No, but my hotel came with a yoga mat and, like, a yoga ball and foam rollers just in the room. That wasn't even, like, advertised as part of it. It was just a thing that happened the first thing I saw when I opened the door was a yoga ball. Um, and then the nearest grocery store was like even more uh, health food trendy than uh, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. It was even less likely that you would find a name brand that you recognized. Uh, so I did a fuck ton of walking and nowhere near as much eating as I wanted to. Uh, but then I got to go to Seattle for a few days and uh, they did not starve me. <laughs> I got to eat <laughs> real food. Um uh, which was also fun because I'd never been to Seattle either. Uh, so I, I did the standard Seattle tourism things. I did go up the Space Needle, uh, which I got to say, they don't fucking go out of their way to inspire confidence <laughs> when you go in there. They've got a whole little like exhibit of just like the photographs of the construction of it. Uh, and it, you're like, mm, has this thing been refurbished since it was built like 60 years ago? I don't know. And then you'll pass a, like a big wall panel where like, the, the director of construction was like, if we get this thing up without major loss of life, it'll be a miracle. And I'm like, great. And they're like, now step inside our brass elevator. And I'm like, good. <laughs> um, uh, but they know. They're leaning into it. It's It's got like a rotating floor, but also the floor is made of glass. So you can just look down, which is fun. Uh that's, that's definitely not nightmare fuel. <laughs> Although I got to shout out the building that um, I didn't send you a photo of this because I was being considerate. One of the buildings near the Space Needle has giant spiders painted on the roof that you can only see from the Space Needle. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Specifically so that when you look down, you can have the little like, what the fuck moment. That's um, really funny. It, it has to be yeah. huge to be able to be visible at scale. It's wow. like a warehouse or something. Um, so that was funny. Uh, but... Yeah, no, it, it was a fun little quest, and I got to got to see the the moon pass into alignment through the clouds. A few people were like, wouldn't it have been better to, like, watch it from Utah or Nevada or one of the, you know, southwestern states that was in the path of the eclipse? And it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Next time, I guess. But you got to take a fun train, so that I was did. cool. I did, yeah, yeah. I got to do some fun train stuff. Also, I really like the, um, the train on the coast, uh, the coastal starlight that just kind of took me up... Um, from, uh, I, I briefly stopped in Portland, took me up from Portland to Eugene, and then from Eugene to Seattle. Uh, and it was just 
very, very pleasant. Uh, also, I got through like six audiobooks on that trip, which is fun because I'm not normally an audiobook person, but they they really do line up well with uh, travel. That is the context in which I got through the Silmarillion. So that that's inextricably linked in my head. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, nothing like just absolutely beautiful, like oak tree laden, uh, just picturesque, you know, sun filtering through green leaves changing to yellow while you're hearing the messiest bitch in entire the entirety of Middle Earth uh, have all of his grievances and accidental incest laid bare by this narrator. <laughs> so... It's like Fanor is the bitch. Uh, Fanor is the first bitch. Uh, oh, okay, there but are not the a last. Few. No, the the uh, Turin son of Hurin is like the absolute messiest character. His life is one giant rolling tragedy. Uh, his sister loses her memory, and then they like meet up, and he doesn't recognize her for reasons I'm not familiar with. Uh, but then they do, in fact, they do fuck, they do bone, uh, and then then she gets her memory back, and uh, all of them all of them kill these kill themselves. They just this is very standard silver. Really, oh, there's a dragon involved. I think he's why she lost her memory in the first place. Uh, so I was listening through that part while I was experiencing uh, University of Oregon's campus, which was quite lovely. I liked the museum. It has three whole exhibits in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You told me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was very cute. I, I got a very charming uh, um, presentation about the various fossils that aren't dinosaurs because Oregon didn't exist when there were dinosaurs. Uh, it was uh, there was the um, like uh, Idaho coastline or something like that. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was fun. Uh, and the third uh, one third of the museum was just about like the history of lesbians in uh, Oregon, which was pretty cool. Uh, mad- honestly, love. Love how openly queer the West Coast is. Just yeah. so chill about it compared to a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the yeah. US. Um, Food but... options lacking, gay representation mm-hmm. plentiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's all a trade-off, baby. And if I were gluten intolerant, uh, I would have probably found the city much more accommodating than average. Because a lot oh, of the okay. places where I was like, I don't really want to go here, was because they had entire menus that were like entirely gluten-free. And I was like, great, that's awesome. I like gluten, though. I, I enjoy. <laughs> I like the flavor. Please let me have gluten. Um, so. Very serious first world problems there, but um, I had a good time and I got to film the eclipse and talk about it, yeah. uh, which was It was nice. a good video. I, I liked it a lot. I, I was watching it essentially blind along with everybody else because <laughs> you were working on this kind of in tandem with the trip. So there was never really a single script that you sent me. I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, this I don't know if this is going to be eight minutes or 30. And I was like, oh, okay, here we <laughs> yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I wrote up an intro before I left for the trip. And I, I even had like little like multiple choice notes like if the weather cooperates and I get footage, here's the moral I'll go with. And if it doesn't, uh, <laughs> here's what I'll go with, I guess. Um but yeah, no, I, I restructured a lot. Like the first thing I did after I got back from um, seeing the eclipse after I passed out a little bit was uh, just write up like minute by minute what he's like. I went through the footage on my phone. and was like, OK, this timestamp, this happened. So it's like, OK, 9-11, this started happening, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which was good. It, it um, <laughs> I discovered something because I, I don't normally make this kind of video. Uh, it was really hard for me to anticipate how it would impact people. I was like, I knew what I was going for, but I've been looking at it for way too long. So I didn't actually know, like, is the timing going to work out? Is the pacing going to be effective? Like, I want to build to this. And I like I was watching it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And then I got people being like, oh, man, I was moved to tears hoping that you would get to see it through the clouds. And I was like, yes, I used the music correctly. I, I did it right. But yeah. it was it was very interesting uh, flying that blind. Um, it's just a, it's a form of timing I generally don't need to think about. So I, I yeah. thought that was really interesting. 
It's also like, you know, we always write our, our scripts ahead of everything else. It is mm-hmm. rare that we are in a position of having to, like, find the video in post, hmm. which is how most creators end up doing their stuff to a degree because yeah. most people don't go in you know script first and then voiceover and animations and everything else it like some things are happening in different orders so it was fun to i guess for for you to to try your hand at that style of video making that's very different from what we're normally doing yeah i liked it i really appreciated how quickly i could cut it together uh yeah my computer appreciated it too because the library file for this baby ate all of my free hard drive space and then some <laughs> for dessert so i i had to i had to like export it real quick re-export it with a music swap and then like delete it immediately so that my computer wouldn't die yeah Oh, boy. Um, but uh, with two videos uh, down, we're, we're looking ahead to the future. We've got um, a, a guest episode uh, next mm. time on the pod. We've got our friend Adam, Ludo History, will be joining us yeah. uh, on the next uh, OS podcast. And also, uh, we will be launching our Black Friday sale uh, at the end of the month. We'll have more to say on the next podcast episode. But if you are looking to grab some pins, you can look for that time to grab <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that one I those those sentences don't connect logically really. no. but uh pins and everything else and sales <laughs> and it'll be great but until then it's time for the Q&A <laughs> I'm watching too much Tomska I can't actually say things correctly yeah, all my cadences today? and tones have to meander oh yeesh okay well Q&As Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Uh, this is the 80th episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, which means we are going to be doing our one recurring segment, the little yeah. lightning round. This Woo-hoo. is where we are going to take one, uh, not one, but many of the <laughs> many, many more uh, suggested pieces of media that you guys have submitted over the, the years and um, just say real quick, really, really, really briefly, have we seen it? Did we like it? Have, did we read it? You know, just, just quick immediate yes no answers uh the briefest of thoughts so without further ado why don't we just jump on in our first property uh is bojack horseman no no my college roommate watched a lot of it but i never got into it looked too sad for me i watched a lot of it i think it's very well made and i don't think i would ever watch it again because of nothing no joke in the first two seasons is good enough to make the absolute despair of the last few seasons leave my mind um Tuka yeah, and nice Birdie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we talked about this. I still I haven't watched Tuka it, but I do Birdie. know that it's good. Yep. It's the superior Animals Are People uh, animation studio movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Tuka should and Birdie is fantastic. Jimbo for Animals Are People. Anyway. <laughs> uh, 12 Forever. No. I don't know what that is. that is. The hit sequel to 17 again. <laughs> <laughs> and 13 uh, Reasons Why. <laughs> I, <laughs> I Lost My Body. I hope you find it. No, next. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Summit of the Gods. Also, no. No. This one's easy. Uh, Batman, Court of Owls, the New 52 storyline. Oh, God. Uh, Isn't that... everything in New 52 dumb and bad? That's just what I've heard secondhand. <laughs> yes, as I understand it, the Court of Owls also went out of its way to, like, fuck with Dick Grayson in various ways. Uh, but I haven't read it, so I don't know all the details. I also have not read the Court of Owls, although I have looked at a lot of the um, Nightwing covers. Uh, the <laughs> Mechanisms as a band. Oh, I've heard of them, but no. I have not. Uh, Mads Buckley, they're a singer. Mm, not a clue. Wait, hold on. This sounds familiar. I think I might have seen them. 
nope, sorry. <laughs> they got them confused. I thought maybe they were that cowboy hat with the fringe, but no, uh, <laughs> somebody completely unrelated. Nope. Celeste. Know about it. Uh, haven't played it. Uh, too much of a baby, too, but it looks fun. I'm glad people <laughs> I like it. I heard a lot of people love it. I wasn't up late it. Um, Shovel Knight. Uh, Cyan just got it like two days ago and has Ooh. been playing through it. I've watched full playthroughs of it. Uh, it looks very cute. And also, yeah. he's in Smash Bros. now, right? Or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yakuza, the video game series. I know about it. Similar. I'm yeah. afraid of the Maltese Yakuza, but I haven't played <laughs> the games. Uh, His Dark Materials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I read The Golden Compass and I think The Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass, but I don't know if there is more or if I got to the end of it and just didn't know what was going on because I was in middle school. The Golden Compass is the first and last book that I read by reading the first chapter, getting bored, flipping to the end and being like, well, this doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> I why. I similar middle school experience. I think I read The Golden Compass and uh, there was this like alchemist series that was all like, it called, followed a guy named Septimus something or other. And I read huh. those at the same time and I think I conflated the two and I only continued to read the alchemist ones and not The Golden Compass. <laughs> I think I, the thing is, I, feel I like... know there's a difference between like His Dark Materials and Artemis Fell. No goddamn clue no, what the difference is not it, a little bit <laughs> almost everything um i feel like his dark materials is in a way kind of a proto like brando sando thing uh in that uh. every book kind of has a completely different main character but they are all from connected worlds uh but that mm. meant i spent the first book getting so invested in the way that world worked in the main character and then the subtle life was like here's a completely different bitch and a world with completely different rules and i was like all right, I guess I have to get reinvested. And then Amber Spyglass did the exact same thing. And I was just like, I'm in seventh grade. I don't have this in me right now. <laughs> and so it goes, uh, Earth Defense Force. That sounds familiar. That's but the no. game where you shoot EDF. giant bugs. Oh, very specific. <laughs> uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Books or movies? I was alive the in the mid-2000s. <laughs> The answer is yes. I was the one person on Earth who was frustrated that the movies were not in line with the books when they came out. I We had one How to Train Your Bat Dragon book that lived in our bathroom when I was a child, and so I've read that one a bunch. I think it was the first one. I, th I remember being so frustrated with the art because it looks hideous, but it's very clearly intentional. But it's that like fun, it's like young reader style of hideous where it's a little scratchy and like fun that it isn't perfect no, i don't know no, i have a lot no. of nostalgia for that that's, <laughs> well, a lot of like the rolled doll stuff looks very similar like in those books and a lot of the i also found that I frustrating <laughs> well because we had I different was, opinions on this because well, at the time i was like i am an artist i'm trying to get good at being an artist and then i look at this and i'm like why is it bad <laughs> you see the problem um, very linear the way i thought meta runner i don't no. know what that is fire and maneuver it's a game Oh, that's uh, that's the Armchair Historian game by uh, by Griffin. I have not oh, played it. Cool. Neat. Yeah. Uh, Ruby. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried on multiple occasions. I'm sorry. I can't get past the voice work. The Owl House. Yeah. yeah. Everybody should watch it. It's very cute. I like it a lot. It's extremely cute. Uh, Fahrenheit 451. I've read it at least once, but yeah, I read uh, it in school. Yeah. I really, I really like uh, Ray Bradbury. He's one of my favorite authors. Uh, the WWE. Uh, I know about it because almost every TV Tropes page has a pro wrestling section because TV Tropes started for pro wrestling, but that's all I got. I keep forgetting that and yeah. you keep reminding me and I keep forgetting that. <laughs> well, it's stuck in my brain because it makes no sense. <laughs> um, I've watched one Royal Rumble. That's it. Uh, I've seen, seen that clip with the, it was me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, Superman smashes the clan. 
No, but I've heard of the name, so it's cool. Um, the Drawfee Show. I've heard that, but I don't know what it means. Sorry. It's uh, it's bas- it's a bunch of artists doing like art challenges, and so they're fun. Oh. I've seen a couple other things. Neat. Uh, and last one here, Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> I was always content to watch. So no skin off my nose. I respect the art design. I respect the way they set up the world. I don't like that it is a feature of the game that you can fuck up so badly, you are better off restarting your playthrough. Mm. (laughs) Uh. I'm not sure I respect a game franchise that has made the get good people that much more insufferable and vindicated. (laughs) I just like saying Bloodborne. It's a fun, you can really put a lot of zest on the bloodborne of it all, you know? (laughs) A lot of oud sounds. It's true, yeah. Uh, But we'll move into our regularly scheduled Q&A where we ask questions from you guys, the uh, listeners. And this first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast or support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This one comes from Space Wizard to all. Loved the eclipse video. What is your favorite space phenomenon? Oh, man. Some of them I never get to see because they don't happen on a timescale we can observe. Uh, The aurora is pretty cool. I like that a lot. I want to see that better next time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. We saw it kind of cool. You saw it cool from a plane. We was the only person on that trip who saw the aurora like clearly and beautifully through his plane window. And the rest of us saw it, too. Mm. (laughs) yeah i want to i want to do it again but properly this time and i'm not apologizing um i think that uh star formation and nebulas is really cool uh and there was like a a supernova that led to the formation of a new star in like the 1800s that completely changed uh the acceptance of the um the the heliocentric model uh and the idea that the stars were suns rather than like you know shining point set in the firmament where it's like hey look a new one has just appeared how are you gonna fucking explain that (laughs) einstein uh so that would be cool um i also Uh, think that uh uh gravity lensing around black holes is such a cool visual but it's so hard to see uh like not as hard to see as some things like you can actually like recognize it in like hubble deep space photography you can be like these three fucked up stretched galaxies are one galaxy with a gravitic attractor between us that's bending the light in weird ways uh but i think getting close enough to a black hole to really see the lensing bending the universe around it would also be super dangerous and very radioactive but uh, i think it would be cool well, I would simply not get sucked into the black hole, so that's a you problem. Yeah, I'm built different. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it counts as a phenomenon, but I like comets uh, almost exclusively because of Super Mario Galaxy, which was very important to me as a 10-year-old. Mm. Comets are cool. Comets I are like neat. shooting stars. I think we should have more shooting stars. I don't mm. care how bad this could be for the planet overall. More of Favorite it, please. Favorite space phenomenon Princess Rosalina. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, man. It's not wrong. I never played you? Galaxy. Oh, it's Shit posting. <laughs> it's it's the best Mario game. I would die on that hill. Um, Blue, do you have a favorite space phenomenon? Uh, the the Aurora. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, cool. Yeah. All right, great. Another question. And Princess uh, Rotten. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a straight boy joke, dude. I'm it's disappointed a boy in you. Joke. You can't make those. <laughs> uh, this next question comes from Andrew. To everyone, what's your favorite thing to thing to drink on a cold winter's day? I personally love myself a nice glass of hot cocoa with peppermint mixed in. So it's a cold winter's day. 
Red, we've been talking a lot about your beverage choices on the podcast. It feels only fair to like address this in a formal question. What's what's your go-to Winter's Day beverage? It really it it depends on only one thing, uh, and that is that uh, milk-based beverages don't make you feel less thirsty. They kind of, if anything, they they sometimes like dry you out. It's like if you're thirsty, you drink a milkshake and you're going to be miserable. Oh yeah, um, it's like eating snow. <laughs> well, it's kind of the opposite, but I understand the point. Um, so if it's like I need to drink something like long term because I'm like going on some kind of trip or something, you need to do like hot tea or hot cider or something that's water-based um, primarily. But for just full warming quality, really rich hot chocolate is definitely yeah. the move. Um, or like like really warm eggnog is also very solid. But yeah. hot chocolate tends to be my go-to. It's just if you're thirsty, it needs to be something like cider or tea or something like that. Yeah, hot cider is really good. Hot chocolate is also a really, really good option. I mean, a tea, basic bitch inch or whatever, whatever. Um, if you make like a... Uh, because it's like, the to your point, right? It's like milk drinks aren't they they don't feel hydrating, mm-hmm. but somehow they feel warmer than if it's just hot water. Yeah, they feel rich and like filling. Yeah, uh, which also limits how much of them you can drink at a time. Uh, so there's it, it, it's so rich that you kind of just can't go wild with it. Um, <laughs> there, uh, if you've ever gotten like one of the Ghirardelli like drinking chocolate things. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sometimes <laughs> It's really funny because if you, like, get one, they'll be like, have you had one of these before? And you can be like, yes. But the reason why they're saying that is because it's not like a, like a hot chocolate you could get at a Starbucks. It's like a slightly runny ganache. Uh, <laughs> and I know they got complaints from the weak who couldn't handle that it was basically like a solid thing of chocolate barely rendered liquid through alchemical <laughs> wizardry. Uh, but anyway, it's really rich in filling, and you really only need, like, 10 ounces of the stuff before your body's like, I'm good, man. <laughs> anyway. Like, you go to the Ghirardelli's counter, and the person there is like, prove to me that you can handle this. Test thy metal, warrior. <laughs> I like black coffee. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Buy the pitcher, preferably, but, you know, I'll take oh, what I can get. <laughs> God... Uh, doing a couple lattes recently. It's been fun. I got such a strong mental image of just like little Timmy with his little crutches and just like a cup of black coffee. Like, Mister, could you spare two sugars and some cream? <laughs> no, boy. <laughs> Be grateful you have even this. I'm efficient, you know. It's <laughs> also I've never heard. Maybe this is just me. Not once in my life have I ever conceptualized drinking eggnog hot. Like in my mind, that is a permanently lukewarm to cold drink. Like that's a warm it up. beverage. I, I mean, I know you can. I just no one has ever suggested that to me or like looked me in the eyes and said you should warm up your eggnog. Is that a thing people do? Huh. I mean, it's it's good when it's cold. It just feels like it's made to be warm. I, 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 I've like... had it. I've had it both ways. It's also a hilarious um, suggestion coming from Red because the mo- reason most people drink eggnog <laughs> is to get smashed at a That's holiday true. party. It's people pour it's full got a good of flavor. It does. <laughs> it hides. It hides a lot of alcohol taste. It's just because it's got nutmeg in it. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, well, this next question comes from Sin to all. Which of you have siblings, and where are you in the age order if you do? I mean, you've met Magenta. <laughs> I am the oldest sister. Yes. Uh, I have two younger brothers. Uh, one of them does the music for all the podcasts that I work on, save for this one. And uh, I am also the oldest uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. 
first and last of my line. <laughs> <laughs> being a, being the oldest child is fun because it means you got a few years where you were the only child, just long enough to develop a few of the only child quirks, and then someone else showed up and elbowed you out of the spotlight. <laughs> I think you might have more time between you and your next uh, sibling than I do because I have almost no conception of ever being an only child. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm four and a half years older than Magenta. Yeah, I was I a fully like cognizant a mini human by the time my parents explained <laughs> to me that I was going to have a sibling, and I was like, neat! And and I was like, it's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, there were always just these two little guys hanging out in my house. <laughs> these two fucking guys. These two dudes. <laughs> we just refer to them colloquially as the boys in all family conversations. Because it's just like, well, there's Indigo and then there's the boys. <laughs> yeah. I, I've kind of gotten like way after the fact, like new sibling whiplash yeah. by way of like Cyan's uh, three sisters, her right. younger sisters, which is definitely not the same because I have not had the experience of like living in the same space as them for years, which would mm. definitely change the dynamic because I, I'm like perfectly comfortable with all of them. Like we get along great, but I understand <laughs> like if it became a true sibling dynamic, like some things would change. <laughs> There's a level to which having a sibling means that certain boundaries you have with everybody else just never form with that person. Yeah, <laughs> It's just, you know, you, you live in the same space, you go through being a forming human together and it just, it rewires your brain just a little bit. Like, there's no such thing as a as a completely chill sibling relationship. Um, I used to beat me and my brothers used to beat each other up all the time. Like that's that's just life, you know. You never outgrow it, really. You just can't beat each other up anymore regularly. <laughs> so you have to. Do you it you get to an age at which one person can end the fight immediately. The running gag in my household is that uh, any dispute between me and my sister will be resolved via arm wrestling. Uh, because this is a deeply unfair contest and everybody knows it. This is actually feeding into another question that we have, so I'm going to go ahead and move oh, us good, on to the yeah. next sure. one. Uh, from Savink Ukaya to Red, love the Eclipse video, but something totally unrelated stood out to me. You look jacked. What's your workout routine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, oh, you know, I just uh, wake up like this most days. Um, no, I, I've never had a, like, uh, a... a any sort of routine I could stick to for more than a week straight. So uh, it, it's kind of just a, a loose collection of um, just assorted fun things. Um, uh, definitely mostly just a, the baseline of doing gymnastics when you're very small sort of helps prime your body for most things. Uh, assuming your joints work, sometimes it can just fuck you up forever. But uh, for, for me, it worked okay. Um, and uh, currently, at present, I mentioned a couple times I'm doing a sword fighting class once a week, which is very fun, albeit deeply asymmetrical. Uh, this <laughs> after was a common do... problem with fencing is you have to make it a point to work out your non-dominant side because otherwise you yeah. will be ejected exactly, split down the middle 50% <laughs> of your body. <laughs> yeah, because it's your front leg that does yeah. all the jumping around. People are like, oh, your back leg must be sore. It's like, my back leg is just chilling. All right, my front leg is the one that has to hoist my body weight both directions. Um, anytime we learn like a new stance that hits a muscle group that we haven't quite gotten up to speed yet, I spend the next 48 hours with the weirdest, most asymmetrical aches. Um, yeah. we just yeah. did the, the Segunda and Prima, uh, uh, stances, which is like, if your arm is a uh, clock hand, Prima is 12 o'clock and Segunda is three o'clock and it's very fun. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> only the right butt cheek has been complaining because of the amount of jumping around I had to do. Um, but yeah, just, uh, and a certain number of, uh, pushups when I remember that those are a thing I should do. Um, 
Neat. I'm sorry, I have no routine. This really is kind of a combo of genetics and just like the bare minimum physical activity. <laughs> some people pack on muscle easily and some people will never ever visibly gain an ounce. It's just how it do. I am I am in the the alternate uh, mm-hmm. boat because I I am uh, fortunate in having a very strong jawline. However, that means the rest of me, by contrast, looks as if the artist forgot to fill out the wireframe they drew me on. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, oh, he's a strong jaw. Like, okay, you know, cheekbones that can cut a man's face. Like, great. Where's the rest of him? Did did you stop partway through? You're fine. Uh, You're but fine. no, it's it's very, like, uh, most of our friends that are, like, in the best shape that of anyone I know are the kind of people who just do not ever gain an ounce of visible muscle. They're just, they just get denser and denser. Um, uh, anyway, I'm glad that people... Cheekbones that can cut glass, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you, I was thinking of uh, jaw the size, or no, um, jaw the size of a lesser man's chest, which is how I've described Henry Cavill once. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and oh then I gosh. completely threw all three of those together. That's okay. Um, um, we'll move on to another question. This one comes from Grey Ranger. Two blue, which Assassin's Creed game would you recommend starting with? Cool. Is um, get out while you can an option? <laughs> yeah. Uh, consider, don't. Uh, if you want to start with one, I would say play through Assassin's Creed 2. But if you only want to play one, I would say play Assassin's Creed 4 because that's the most fun one that there is. It's the pirate one. It's uh. it's it's great. It, it rules. You just get to sail around, fucking people up, just ruining the, uh, the, the wartime British economy by just stealing all their stuff. Oh, it's great. Um, but if you want to start with one and like have the possibility of playing through them, like roughly in order, skipping the ones that you don't care about, I'd say start with two and then just like work through them as you find them interesting like ah if you liked two another game like that cool play brotherhood uh okay do you care about the american revolution no okay skip to assassin's creed 4 um stuff like that so yeah uh this next question comes from architect 7 to all what is your favorite indie game huh technically stray gods is an indie game oh yeah that probably that's a strong contender for my game of the year this year nice um, I mean, I want to shout out Spirit Fair because it is a game that emotionally mm-hmm. devastated me the entire time I was playing it, but also I enjoyed it greatly, and I think it's one of the most perfect things ever constructed. But the real answer yeah. is probably like Stardew Valley or something, if that counts, because cool. I played so many hours of that game at this point. And that's like that's the most perfect vision of it because Stardew Valley is one of a handful of like solo dev games, which mm-hmm. are so rare. But just like mm, like when you get one of those, when you get an Undertale, it's mm-hmm. like oh man, this is such a pure expression of like yeah. the most thing a single artist can create yeah it's like a webcomic or a comic where it's like one artist can theoretically do all these different disciplines and then a game is like the most thing that one solo artist can make yeah i I remember this conversation um does minecraft count (laughs) yeah it was an indie yeah I i am a gaming plebeian i got my start watching those like eight hour no con like like no talking uh, cutscene movies of video games yeah. that I wasn't interested in but didn't want to play and I have not upgraded since then now that I have like a console and a TV now that I have a Switch and a TV <laughs> anyway I got but, really into like the whole cozy gaming thing during the, the depths of the pandemic like because mm-hmm. I had a lot of at, at that point in my life I did not have a job but I had a lot of time so I could play like once a week like just in a week knock out one of those like 
10, 20 hour games. So there's a lot of indie games that I owe a lot to at this point. And there's a lot of really fun ones out there. Um, But yeah, there's only so many farming sims you can play before you're like, I just, I need to do something else for a little while. (laughs) I have enough crops. I think I'll make it through this winter. I think there's no plant they could put out there that would really surprise me at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Um, Yeah, I, uh... On con on principle, I think Undertale probably wins just in general. Definitely yeah. rewired a lot of people's brains. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't played through it myself. Me um, neither. I I think uh, Journey is probably mm. like the best game. Is that indie? Yeah, I mean it was it well it was people have described it as a kaleidoscope for what you consider indie because it was a much smaller dev studio than most like big budget games, but it was like. It was made by an independent style studio of like 10, 12 people, Hmm. but it was published by Sony. So it's like, is it indie? Uh, Yes, no, depends on how you define it. Um, So like on the on the higher scale of indie, um, Journey is just so spectacular. Um, Yeah, that works. I remember with with Minecraft, it was the first time I ever stayed up really, really late doing something. I was watching Minecraft videos of this guy building his base. I think it was like like X plays Minecraft. I, I don't wow. know if I remember that rightly, but it was one of the first like big playthroughs, um, like the summer that um, like CNAners discovered Minecraft. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but I stayed up until four a.m. and I was like, oh shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> I need to go back to sleep before I am found out when my parents wake up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. No, it's a lot of good ones. Um, this next question comes from Run of Cards. To all, instead of having a devil and an angel sat on your shoulders whispering in your ears, you have Muppets. Who are they? Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, I already know my answer to this one is Rizzo the Rat and Gonzo because I just want a Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol it. But uh, there's got to be other course. options as well. Oh, I wanted Gonzo, but that does make more sense. On all levels except for physical, I am Gonzo. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that is a major influence on my shoulder. <laughs> Realistically, Animal has to be one of mine. I mean, that's so good, right? Uh, Animal yeah, Miss no, Piggy fantastic. could be a fun dichotomy if you're trying to do, like, two sides. Because like, if it's, like, you know, it's the angel-devil <laughs> thing, like, you do need someone to give you one kind of advice and someone to give you the other. I'm just uh, thinking because we we just did the Avatar Legends two shot and I'm just imagining the balance track like animal, animal versus Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy. <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> ah! No, I, I don't think Miss Piggy is anywhere on my shoulders. Although I mean I should be so lucky, but it's my <laughs> other one. Let me think. I need a really deep pull to impress people. What's one of those guys from Labyrinth? <laughs> I would just no, for the sake of of like to give it's not a, it, I'm I'm dodging the question it's not like an angel and devil I'm just going to like personify the concept of imposter syndrome by having it be the two peanut gallery guys just on my shoulder oh, talking Stella shit about Walmart. every action <laughs> No <laughs> Actually that does that does that really does make sense um, anyway, I think my other Muppet is Tim Curry as Long John Silver, <laughs> the most Muppety man to ever walk this earth. It could be, like, if we're extending it to people who have appeared with the Muppets, it could be that, like, David Bowie as the Goblin King on one shoulder, and then Tim mm. Curry as Long John Silver on the other. Yo. The, the, the full spectrum of camp. Yeah. That's, that's uh. the spectrum you want to exist on, right? Like, what's the point of living if you can't be a little camp with it? Uh, you know what? Realistically, one of mine is probably a Fraggle. That's Possibly fun. even Red Fraggle, <laughs> who makes rewatching Fraggle Rock very confusing for me. I, did I was going to say, like, is that completely different? Because I feel like that's completely different. 
it's uh it's weird uh i always get the little like what the fuck every time somebody name drops her um <laughs> But no, no, uh, she was definitely one of my first, like, oh, no, that's resonating a little too closely with me at times, um, characters. Mostly because she's constantly learning lessons about being overly impulsive, and I was just like, "Mm, I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Did somebody say impulsive? (laughs) Oh, man. Do not cite the dark magic to me, (laughs) which I was there when it was written. Uh, but we've got time, I think, for one more question before we, we sign off here. This one comes from Wolfheart. To all, who was your favorite Greek god growing up, and are they still your favorite today? Mm. For all you myth kids out there, or Percy Damn. Jackson fans. I feel like <laughs> one I've been in this for so long, I almost don't remember who my first favorite was. I think it probably had to be Artemis. Um just the very like one of those I don't know why this concept resonates so well with me but I would love the idea of just hanging out with a bunch of gals doing a bunch of you know roughing it in the woods and shooting arrows and stuff and never having to worry about getting married because I'm in third grade and for some reason this is weighing on my mind um I do remember being a little bit disappointed at how small of a role she had in the Percy Jackson books which makes me think she was up there um yeah yeah and is she still your favorite you know, I don't think I have a favorite anymore. Uh, I've been in too deep with how messy they all are. Uh, like, obviously, I've, I'll be the first to say there's no such thing as canon, especially in this case. But whenever I really have to, like, just go deep in it and be like, oh, boy, an atrocity committed by another god I liked. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like I can like what they represent and like versions of them without being like, yeah, unproblematic fave. We stand a girl boss. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like they're all... Yeah. There's like 2,000 years of, of conflicting stories for all of these guys, uh, and not a single one of them is a good person if you judge them on person standards. Um, but I think if I had a favorite now, I really kind of do like Athena in terms of absolutely problematic things. <laughs> She's so awful in so many stories, but I really like her vibes. <laughs> I Yeah, I was going to say I... I... I liked Hades when I was younger because I was a little edgelord and I liked Age of Mythology as the cool <laughs> little portrait. Um, it's like, oh, he's got a helmet that's on fire. That's cool as fuck, man. Um, <laughs> that was very shallow. But I I do stand a problematic fave. And boy, oh boy, is that Athena to a yes! T. She's the villain in way too much of ancient Greek media where like characters interact with a singular deity it's like is there one god who's (laughs) fucking things up for everybody it's athena (laughs) Uh, you know what i i'm gonna pull an odysseus here i couldn't fix her but she could make me worse (laughs) what was that uh it was I'm, i'm forgetting what the thing was it was like i can fix her she can break me I do I think, think it was from I w- a polygon video, no, yeah, probably. something like that. Uh, I think I was an Athena kid, like at the time, just because like, ah, she's smart, ha mm. <laughs> ha, so fun. Uh, and now I constantly ping pong between Hermes and Dionysus in terms of problematic faves. Just oh yeah, the I, party boys. The party boys, yeah. Because yeah. now <laughs> I'm like, nah, it's, I don't care about being smart. I just want to be a party boy. <laughs> Um, yeah, Dionysus I, does have that fun edge of like, looks like a cinnamon roll, but God, why the, where the fuck is this coming from? Like 2015 <laughs> Tumblr is slowly taking over my brain. We're all brain. just regressing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to. Do you think if you regress far enough, you could remember how to do the outro of this podcast? Because that's what mm, we got to do next. After the glove was fucking thrown last time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
in his radio voice too. God damn he did the radio Jack. voice too. Uh, <clears throat> thank you all so much for listening to the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another exciting installment. If you miss us before then, check us out on YouTube at Overly Sarcastic Productions. Uh, don't think I've missed anything. This feels like it's shorter than normal. I'm not entirely sure why. We have an after-after show show. That's true. Stick mm-hmm. around. Uh, if you're a patron, hop on over to patreon.com slash OSP, I believe. And yep, we'll we got be... there early. We got there fucking early. We, we snagged patreon.com slash OSP. <laughs> Damn right we did. Take that, Ohio State Police. And we'll be <laughs> hanging out for another 30 to 40 minutes, just shooting the shit and having a grand old time. I think that's everything. I don't have any cue cards, unlike what I assume radio presenters get. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Jack did do all of that off the dome last episode. Well, that's great. Fantastic. Until next time. It's not like I talk for a living. I've been red. I've been blue. This has been an overly sarcastic podcast. Signing off now. Boo. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the pause and the... So soft. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back with another thrilling installment on November 22nd, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive benefits. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.